Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to The Girl, The Beard, and The Grim. Are you doing okay today? Uh, I think so. I'm doing good. Man, it's been a month, hasn't it? Yes. I saw a funny thing that was like, can this uh, month slow down? It was like, damn October, slow down. We don't even know who's cooking for Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> right. So I have a big case today. Oh, boy. Like, it, how, how big it we might be a two-parter. When you say might. Definitely. Okay. All right. So with this being a larger case, is this a murder case? Is it a rape case? Is it a disappearance? What are we dealing with this week? Um, That would be D, all of the above. Really? Really. I was not expecting that. Um, but okay. really, um, it should be E, all of the above, because D should be torture. So there's a lot going on. Yes, it's a, it's a big case. It's a dark case. Shocker, it's in Texas again. Wow. <laughs> okay, so keep it a local still. And it sounds like it's absolutely ridiculous. So is this recent or is this older? It's older. This is set, um, the the murders are from 1970 to 1973. Okay. Yeah. So this is, uh, that'd be what, f- 50 years ago? The 70s were not 50 years ago, were they? Uh, well, let's see, it's 2021. So it's 20 years. To 47 two- years ago. Try that math again, Kimasabi. <laughs> 48 if you go till 73, 51 if you go from 70. Well, that's unacceptable because the 90s were 10 years ago. (laughs) They were not. (laughs) So, if we're talking 70 to 73 uh, in Texas, what part of the state? Houston, H-Town. Why is it always Houston? What, What is it about Houston? That drives murders and crazies and psychos. And you know why? When people really talk don't. about when people talk about visiting Houston now, you get a shudder. I mean, that's because of the traffic, though. I mean, granted, the traffic I, has drove them all the, mad. The, the traffic is what makes people murder. Okay, that makes sense. That is why high traffic cities have lots of murders yeah. because of the traffic. Honestly, he kind of goes all around. There's a little bit. Um, the story is going to take us. I mean, yes, the murders were all done. In Houston or, or outside of, um, but this story does take us in around a couple different cities in Texas as well as um, a, a city in Indiana. That's a little random, but okay. Well, and we'll get there. Like I said, it's a big story. And this first half, because there's just so much information about who this person is and the background and what even like all what happens even before he commits the first murder. So we just need to get into that. <laughs> okay. So before I let you jump into that, from the sounds of it, this would have been a pre-high-profile case. What is the name of today's person, and should this be a name that people know? So this is the real Candyman story. Okay. Um, that is what the scary newspapers movie? called it. It's not. It has nothing to do with the scary movie. Really? No link between... This serial killer and the Candyman urban legend, which is what the movies are based on. Okay. 
but it seems like this should be a case that people would know. So, so what's this guy's name? His name is Dean Coral. Okay. AKA the Candyman, AKA Pied Piper. Okay. Those are the so, names he went by. Pied Piper was given to him by the children that he would visit at the elementary schools that he gave candy to. Candy to. Candyman, the nickname was given to him by all the media. So that to me, I, I, I feel like I've heard the case of the Pied Piper, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you take it away, jump into history, get us caught up to where we need to be. Gotcha. So Dean Coral, the Candyman, raped, tortured, and murdered at least 28 boys in Texas between 1970 and 1973. His killings are now known as the Houston Mass Murders. Um, you can also research it that and, all, and his cases will come up as well. Um, and it was considered to be the worst in Texas history and the U.S. history at the time. So this beats out like the Chainsaw Massacre, like a lot of the big high-profile cases of the time. Mm-hmm. And this guy really spent the time to make sure that he was torturing these people. Like, it wasn't just an accidental torture in any way. Right. So this is, he's very methodical. Yeah. So when dangerous we, kind of person. when we get to the second episode where we discuss the murders, get you a barf bag. Oh boy. I'm going to try to keep it as clean as possible. Cause I don't, I don't particularly like to get into the real, real horrible details, but it is, it's a tough case. Well, and we do have an audience that may or may not want to hear some of those details. Yes. So, so like I said before, there is no link to the Candyman movies. Um, and Coral was just nicknamed the Candyman because his family owned a sweet candy company. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that would be the link. Mm-hmm. Fair. All right. Gotcha. Okay. So also, you know, now in my research, I really try to look for justifications or reasons or triggers or things that I can find in their past that allow me to understand more of why someone did what they did. And with Dean, I couldn't really find anything. I mean, outside of the fact that his parents got divorced and then remarried and then got divorced again. But even then, that whole time, he still stated that his parents were loving and like it wasn't that he was taken away from any of them at any point. So So I don't like there. I didn't find one thing in his childhood that would lead to a traumatic event. So this is more of like a. It's just that he was not ever really in a right state of mind to begin with. Apparently, but even like people that knew him and commented on him are even saying like they didn't even notice any mental health issues right so but there is one thing that does end up happening so a part of his you know who he is so we'll get there gotcha Uh, born in 1939 in fort wayne indiana dean was the first child of mary robinson and arnold edwin okay so you notice they don't have the last name. That he doesn't have the same last name. We'll get there. Okay. Um, Coral's father was known to be a strict parent, while his mother was very doting and protective of her sons. And his parents did divorce in 1946 when Dean was seven and his brother was four. His mom relocated them to Memphis, and his um, around that time, his dad was drafted into the U.S. Air Force. Um, Dean was known to be a 
shy and loving child. Um, and when they moved to Memphis, Dean ended up getting sick. And um, while they believe they believed that it was just regular old strep throat. Right. Um, it was actually later found in 1950 when he was older that it was actually a case of rheumatic fever, which caused him to have a heart murmur. Um, and he was actually um, ordered to sit out of all PE and wasn't allowed to play sports while he was enrolled in school. So he wasn't exactly an active kid. Exactly. Um, which keep in mind about this heart murmur thing, because <laughs> something's going to come up and I just want to know why it didn't exclude him from something in the future. Okay. Like military service. I mean, okay. If we're talking about back then though, if he was born in the forties, 39, 39, <laughs> uh, let's see. He would have been eligible for service in 57. And a lot of people lied about their age. They definitely would have lied about a heart murmur to get into the military. Well, we'll come back to it. Okay. okay. Um, also in 1950, that's when his parents reconciled and remarried, and they made the long move to Pasadena, Texas, which is another suburb of Houston. But unfortunately, in 1953, they divorced again. Only three years. Only three years. Following the second divorce, Coral's mom ended up marrying a traveling clock salesman named Jake. West. That is not a job description. I think I've heard at all in the last 30 years. <laughs> That's no. not really a thing. You know, quick story. I remember what, after we started dating and you were telling me that your parents had these fancy Electrolux vacuums. Is it Electrolux? Yeah, it is and Electrolux. You were, like, you were like, yeah, we got them from like the guys that would come by the house and <laughs> sell you stuff. And I was like, Oh, you grew up in one of those homes. Well, no. So Electrolux was a more of an industrial brand, and their salesmen, like you couldn't go into a store and buy an Electrolux vacuum. Like I've you always had to, wanted an Electrolux stove. You've had to you had to call and have them bring you, like they'd bring out a sample for you to try, and if mm. you like it, you would buy it. And they are incredibly expensive. It was like the Tesla vacuums. Yeah. Well, think about this. <laughs> My parents bought their last set of Electrolux vacuums in the late '90s to early 2000s. Though it's a, it was a it was a set of a vacuum and a carpet shampooer. Mm -hmm. Both of them are still functioning. Oh, I know. Like we've used one hundred percent perfectly, and they're better than our vacuum. I know, the hands down. <laughs> even anyways, after twenty years. <laughs> so, traveling clock. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost a bad word. Okay. A traveling clock salesman named Jake West. I need to not say clock again. Deal. From then, the family moved to Vitter. Is it Vitter or Vitter, Texas? It depends on how many teeth you have. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's Vitter. At this time, his mom became pregnant and ended up having his half-sister, Joyce. Coral's mom and stepfather had started the small family candy business in their garage, and the boys were required to work day and night while also going to school. They would help make the candy. They were responsible for running the machines, packing the candy. And his stepfather, Jake, would take the candy that was ready on his um, traveling routes. So. Mostly in Houston. He would travel into the right, Houston but, itself. So that sounds like, A, a sweatshop. <laughs> 
number one. But B, also... It's just good old family business, honey. What? Well, back in the 50s and 60s and all that time period, the family business was, hey, I have children so they can do labor. This is true. But what kind of candy was it? Was it like hard candy? Was it like taffy? What are we talking here? Um. So they end up... Like, they're known for their candy called the Pecan Prince. So, in my imagination, I think of it like caramels or gotcha. things like that. Almost like a, almost um, like a New Orleans Proline. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um. Okay, so he would take them on his routes. While Dean attended high school, he loved being in band, and he played the trombone, and he was considered a very well-behaved student even though he was shy and mostly kept to himself. After Dean graduated high school in 1958, he and his family moved to the outskirts of Houston and they opened a candy shop where they conveniently named it the Pecan Prince. The name came from their most popular candy they sold. In 1960, Dean's mother asked him to move back to Indiana to live with his grandmother um, since she was now a widow after the passing of Dean's grandfather. While living in Indiana, he met a girl, and she ended up proposing to him in 1962. That's a little odd. Dean rejected. Well, that's not as odd, but... After that, Dean decided it was time for him to move back to the Houston area to help his family with the business. The same year, um, a teenage male that worked at the candy store factory... <laughs> the, yeah. The business. <laughs> um, ended up coming to marry his mother, and um, had reported that Dean had been making sexual advances toward him, and instead of asking Dean about it, she fired the teenage boy on the spot. Well, I mean, given the, the, the time period, mm -hmm. that was, A, a serious accusation, not because it was like, you know, raping a child, but because it was homosexuality. Mm -hmm. That was a big no-no. The next year, in 1964, Dean was drafted into the United States Army, and he was assigned to Fort Polk, Louisiana, for basic. Okay, so that answers the question right there. This was during the draft. It was during the draft. And they They still would not. have excluded him if they had known. Not necessarily. A lot of things went by the wayside with World <laughs> War II in Korea. Like, a lot went by the wayside. I feel like... <sighs> would this have been Korea? Uh, what year was it? 64. Uh, well, that was after Korea, or Vietnam. It was after Korea. I don't think Vietnam. He never actually ended up going anywhere. So. Well, okay. That, that tells us right there. Um, he later moved to Fort Benning, Georgia, and trained as a radio repairman before his permanent assignment back to Texas at Fort Hood. Okay. According to the Army, he was perfect. He never had a blemish on his record. And Dean, however, hated the military service so much that he requested for discharge. The Army granted this, and was and he was given honorable discharge on June 11, 1965, after only 10 months of being in service. That's also odd. <laughs> I guess because he was like a model soldier. <laughs> That's still <laughs> odd. I, I, I don't see how you just decide... I don't want to be in the military anymore. The military goes, all right. So when Dean came back, um, it was reported that he divulged to a close 
some of his close personal friends that he had had his first homosexual encounter while in the army and that that finally told him what he knew all alone and that he was in fact gay. All right then. <clears throat> also to cover it. Yes, that would have gone through the time period of Vietnam because Vietnam actually was 55 all the way through 75. Wow. I didn't know it was actually in the fifties. So they list 55 through 64, 65 to 73 and 74 to 75. Uh, I don't know for sure exactly how much of that we were involved in, uh, but uh, it appears that we were involved in most of it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, other teenage boys that had come to the candy shop had also noticed that when he returned from the army, a lot of his mannerisms changed, leading them to believe that he was, in fact, a homosexual. All right, then. Mm -hmm. Following his honorable discharge, Dean returned to Houston to be the vice president of the Coral Candy Company. And in 1965, the Coral Candy Company relocated to 22nd Street in Houston, and it was across the street from an elementary school. Coral was known to give free candy to the children, and this is where he earned the nickname the Candyman and the Pied Piper. So, obvious question that I want to know, does this candy store still exist? No. It is there a candy store in its location? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um again several young cool. <laughs> Go do a visit, you know. Again, several young boys stated Dean had made sexual comments towards them and Coral even bought a pool table for the factory so that young boys would want to come and hang out with him after school. So at this point he's in that he's decided he's a homosexual. And he is into younger, under 18 boys in yes. their teens. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is now known. Good to go. Onward. I'm, I'm, I'm set now. I'm in, I understand where we're at. In 1967, Coral befriended 12-year-old David Owen Brooks. Dean was 28 at the time. And this boy was how old? 12. Okay. Brooks and Coral quickly became very close, and Brooks would join Coral in South Texas when um, Coral, because he liked to go every week and visit the beaches. All right. Um, Brooks said that Coral was like a father to him, and he would give him money whenever he needed it. And upon the urging of Dean, he be, um, be, oh, sorry, I messed up my notes. Um. Upon the urging of Dean around this time, um, he began to pay David to give him oral sex. Okay, so at this point, he's paying a 12-year-old. I don't think he's still 12 years old. But he's, he's paying but a young he's definitely, man for oral sex. Right, because in 1970, when David was 15, so it was probably... It's been anywhere between 12 and 15. Gotcha. Um, he dropped out of school and moved to Beaumont with his mom. He would come back and forth regularly to Houston, and he would stay with Dean at his apartment. Um, after a while, he just started telling everybody that he lived with Dean, that that was his home, too. Gotcha. Um, also, this time, Coral's mom and sister had moved to Colorado. Um. Well, and it's actually a few years before 1970. They moved to Colorado. They shut the business, the candy store down, and the 
in the business itself in 1968. Okay. Okay, so by this point, backtrack me a little bit here. So, Coral and this young man have a ongoing relationship. Mm-hmm. The family moves to Colorado, and they shut the candy store down all before 1970. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and his mom also said that in 1968, when her and Joyce moved to Colorado, that was the last time she ever saw Dean in person again. So here's my next question. I may have missed this, but his mom and Joyce moved to Colorado. Where is the traveling clock salesman? Divorce. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you mentioned that. I just missed it. I don't think I did, actually. Okay, good to know. (laughs) I was confused. I was like, I feel like there was a guy who was kind of important that worked with timepieces. Okay, so they split. Check. Yes, they split. Um, so she would speak to Dean every day, but I just thought that was a nice tidbit that she said she never saw him in person in person again. Right. Um, after the candy shop closed, Dean took a job as an electrician at the Houston Lighting and Power Company, and that is actually where he worked up until the day of his death. So he worked. Okay. He took a job at a power plant. Mm-hmm. And he did that forever. Not that much longer. <laughs> like four more years. Well, yeah, but he did that the rest of his life mm-hmm. while doing everything else that we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. It says that he tested relay switches. Okay. I was just... I. I just didn't understand how, like, I don't understand how you can hold down a stable job and be a serial killer. It doesn't seem like those go hand in hand. But people do it every day. I can't even hold down a job and do this podcast on time. (laughs) This is also true. And yet somehow some people find a way to work 40 hours a week and then go out and murder people. I don't have that kind of energy. Look at Dexter. This is true. Dexter is a great example. Dexter is my favorite person. He is. I probably shouldn't admit that, but... Well, he's he's a likable serial killer. It's, it's so ready for the new season. I know. But yeah, I just... I It's hard for me to wrap my brain around the idea of having enough energy to work 40 plus hours a week at a regular job and go around like murdering and torturing people. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I get tired just thinking about it. But I... anyway. I don't know. Power company. Got it. Okay. So now I'm going to get into some information about the murders. um, Like about the weapons and like how he did it and all that stuff. Um, In the next episode, that's when I'm going to get into like the names of the victims and what happened to them okay and then everything from there got it yes so between 1970 and 1973 coral is known to have killed 28 victims all of his victims were males aged 13 to 20 most were abducted from the houston height area which is a very low low income area of houston right um a lot of crime a lot of transient a lot of um street walkers 
Gotcha. Uh, most of the abduction abductions, he was accompanied by one or two males. Um, first, it started out with David Brooks, and then later they ended up recruiting Elmer Henley. So he had accomplices for this. Yes. And those accomplices actually are the ones that would lure some of the victims. Really? Or they or they would find out who they were, and then they would give that information on like where the victim was going to be or whatever, and they'd give that to Coral, and then he would take it from there. So, and Brooks is the... The kid that he met when he was 12. Well, the yes. kid was 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he basically brainwashed this kid into being an accomplice. In... Oh, groomed him left and right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm um, assuming that this this other guy, Hen- Henley? Elmer Henley. I'm assuming same story? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, there'll be more about Elmer because there's a, I have a lot of information on Elmer I'll let later you get on. to it. Okay. Um, it'll probably be in the next episode. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, two of the victims were previous employees of Coral Candy Company. Okay. Uh, Dean would lure, 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 lure the victims into either one of the two vehicles he owned, either a Ford Ecoline van or a Plymouth GTX. Which that's a really strange choice of vehicles. You've got kidnapper van or sports car. He also used because um. You will find out later that he bought a, I believe it was a Corvette for David. Okay. Um, as basically a thing of, hey, don't go to the cops. Really? And then he ends up using that Corvette in a couple instances as well. Okay. Um, he would entice the boys with an offer to a party or give them a lift home. Then he would drive them to his house instead. He would give them pills with alcohol to have them pass out pretty quickly. He would then handcuff them and strip them naked. Eventually, he built a torture board that you that he used to tie the boys up. He would leave them there for several days, and he would sexually assault them, beat them, drug them, and eventually he would kill them by strangulation. Or in a couple cases, he shot them with a twenty-two caliber pistol. He would then tie them in plastic sheeting and bury them. He had four um, places that he would take the bodies. He rented a boat shed. And that was one place, like, under the shed. Right. Which I will have to show the picture of that because there's a picture that one of the newspapers had taken where you can just see them digging and just bringing up these um, plastic bags full of body parts. All right. So keep an eye out on the Instagram for that photo. Um, he w- It says the beach. That's very so specific. So I assume <laughs> Galveston, Galveston or something yeah. in that area. Um, a woodland near Sam Rayburn Lake. Where is Sam Rayburn Lake? So, Sam Rayburn... Because it says his family had a cabin there, and he would often stay there. So, yeah, Sam Rayburn, I want to say, is like that southeast uh, corner of Texas. But I could be wrong, because I want to say that's also the one that's near... Isn't it the one near Garland? No, that's no. Uh, Ray Hubbard. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sam Rayburn is like in the National Forest and all that. Uh, north east of Houston. Oh, okay. Like uh, outside of like Nacogdoches and Lufkin and all that. Gotcha. Um, and the final place was a beach in Jefferson County. Where's Jefferson County? Is that another South Texas? 
I'm assuming it'll be that same area. Mm-hmm. Um, in every case, he would force the victims to either phone or write their parents with reasons why they were absent or missing. Right. Um, during all this, Dean did move often, but he always remained close to the Houston High areas um, until he decided to move to Pasadena in 1973. All right. Well, so to give an idea, uh, so Houston proper is uh, probably about, I'd, I'd call it an hour west of Jefferson County. Jefferson County is like Beaumont. Oh, okay. So that would be that. And that would put Rayburn, I guess, probably two hours northeast of Houston. Oh, okay. Uh, and Pasadena is like just outside of Houston proper, like mm-hmm. south east mm-hmm. so it's part of it is actually within the loop that goes around houston okay. so kind of like uh, like the woodlands except on the south side the woodlands is okay. on the very north side gotcha of houston uh this is on the southeast side gotcha so in between houston and the actual coast mm-hmm. so yeah he moved a lot because he knew you know if people reported seeing that he was picking up uh, a, a male that needed a ride. They'd be like, oh, they went in this direction and things like that, that they would eventually narrow down. So he would move to different apartment complexes and rent houses and things. So, okay. But he still stayed around one January for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, relatively at least. Yeah. So, but with the fact that he, he it seems like he dumped bodies all over. We're talking, mm-hmm. you know, two hours, an hour. I mean, he's transporting bodies for mm-hmm. a couple of hours to, to dump them. And you know who was doing it? The accomplices? Yep. So he actually wasn't the one transporting bodies? Nope. I mean, I don't want to call it smart, but, you know, if you outsource it, be like, hey. And that ended up being when the accomplices get tired, they're the ones that talked. Gotcha. That's usually how it works. Yep. So. Yep. But, so that is the foundation. Okay, which okay. is a, still a lot to take in. Yes. So, and I noticed there's a, it seems like from what you said, there's a very specific pattern we know that he would do between the abduction, the drugging, mm-hmm. the torture, the assault, mm-hmm. and then finally the murder. It, I'm assuming that it became such a pattern that it was pretty easy to piece together between the you know, accomplices turned witnesses and evidence they found. So I'll just tell you this. He doesn't get caught by police. How does that even make sense? He gets murdered himself. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. That is juicy. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that is exactly where we need to leave it. Absolutely. For the next episode. Dun, dun, dun. Because there is nothing better than a murderer getting murdered. <laughs> that is that is the best cliffhanger. It is. So now the question that we can leave for next time is, was it another serial killer? Was it perhaps a victim's parents that were upset? Could it have been one of the accomplices? Who could have murdered the murderer? Who done it? Yeah. We'll I think it was the maid in, in, the, in the library with the candlestick. Of course, that's mm-hmm. always it. That, that's always how it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, I say y'all definitely check the Instagram. 
Uh, I don't know how close these two episodes are going to be coming out to each other uh, just yet, but you know, check the Instagram for pictures from uh, this first episode. And uh, do you have anything else to add today? I don't think so. I think we're all caught up. Um, I hope everybody is having a great October so far. Definitely. And so we look forward to seeing y'all next time to finish up the story of Dean Coral on... The Girl. The Beard. And The Gram. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>